Welcome to the Melt Zone Podcast. Uh, I'm Tom. And I'm Stefan. And today we are going to talk about the new Prusa SLA printer that has been announced at the weekend on New York Maker Fair. We're also going to talk about what we are working on right now. I've got some stuff going on. Stefan has some stuff going on. And we are going to discuss uh, whether we would rather have a larger, a much larger, or a much faster 3D printer. And we are also going to talk about your questions, which you can Twitter, which you can send us on Twitter at the Melt Zone. Nailed it! Damn All it. right. No, let's <laughs> well, let's let's actually talk about why this this podcast exists and and what what the entire idea is. Of course, we we are we are new to this. We we still have this to figure out. Like when the other guy is supposed to to say something. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, you, you might know us from YouTube. Um, I run a 3D printing YouTube channel. Stefan runs a 3D printing YouTube channel. We are both Bavarians. We, we are both from the same region of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta say, I'm not a Bavarian. <laughs> You're not. I am actually from Baden-Württemberg. I'm, I'm living just at the border, but not a Bavarian. I'm sorry to say that, but uh, <laughs> we gotta set things straight. <laughs> close enough, close enough. Um, but yeah, we, we basically got together and we were like, hey, we, we're both running these these channels and we have a very similar idea of how to run those and uh, what a video should look like. And it's always, you know, it needs to be perfectly edited. It needs to be point more spot on on topic. And this is just something where we can uh, talk about some things in more details that kind of don't fit in on the regular YouTube uh, sphere content. So yeah, we'll we'll figure this out. Stefan, what have you been working on? I've been working on some pretty interesting materials over the last uh, couple of weeks. So a material which is not that really common in 3D printing nowadays is uh, polypropylene, which is most commonly known in all, well, household equipment, Tupperware and things like these. And um, is also available since a couple of well, since a couple of months as a 3D printing material. Um, Fonfutura sent me a roll just uh, like after I got back from holiday, and I played around with it, and I was pretty happy with the printing results. And I am not 100% sure why it is not that common at the moment because I think it's easier to work with um, than normal flexibles. It has some pretty interesting mechanical properties. And yeah, I'm currently doing, well, all of the tests, shoot the video, and then get the filament review out, hopefully in the next couple of days. Nice. Yeah, I think PP or polypropylene has been, has been around in like the early days of 3D printing, like in the very early days before uh, something like the Prusa-Mendel or the, the Cells-Mendel even was a thing. Um, but it's kind of been dormant. It's, it's not been used a whole lot ever since. And now that we have more capable printers, I think it's, uh, it's time that a few of those materials are making a comeback. Yeah, definitely. Especially if you're thinking that, well, polypropylene is the second most used uh, polymer on Earth. Yeah, yogurt and cups, right? Yogurt? Everything that, that's that's like packaging, that, that's pretty much all uh, yeah, PP. Polypropylene and PE. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. And it has some... It ha actually, it actually has the best layer adhesion I have seen with any material so far. And this is something which is pretty outstanding. And yeah, I hope to get the video done 
quite soon and uh, maybe some others will jump on that train and take a look at PP and maybe it's a good replacement for other flexible materials. So it is actually flexible. That's that's interesting. Well, yeah, it's it's really flexible. The well, the stiffness is like a factor of seven lower than, um, for example, um, PLA. Right. I have no comparison like with shore hardness, what that would mean. So to compare it to something like Ninja Flex or something similar, but still it feels really, really soft. Um, probably not as soft as the real flexible materials, but you don't run into issues with uh, moisture uptake and all of the things which are which you have in mind when you're thinking about printing flexible materials. Nice. Very nice. I'm I'm looking forward to that. You you're kind of competing with uh, with Philoween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really sorry there. Have you ever been working with PP so far? Because I have you, I have not. I have not. It sounds it sounds good. Uh, it definitely sounds good. And, and you said Form Futura makes that. Form Futura makes that. Yeah. Um. I think. Um. How's the Japanese manufacturer Verbe, Verbe? Verbatim? Verbatim, they also sell polypropylene material and um, Ultimaker is selling it, but not really many others. So I checked Filament World yesterday and really these are the only ones, as far as I know, that are producing that material. Cool. I'll have to try it out. Yeah. Um, what have I been doing? <laughs> Many many things, um, but as since you're bringing it up, uh, filament testing, you've you've got your own set of tests. Um, I've also been doing Philoween and have had that on on pause for a while. I, I do intend to bring that back, um, probably around Halloween, which makes sense because it, that's <laughs> that's when it started. Um, so yeah, we, we've we've got a website working we're working on a website um we're working on a new scoring system because some people weren't really happy with the old you know everything maxes out at five um and then there was the, the flaming star thing and it was just too many filaments were getting too good of a rating so we're adjusting that we're adjusting that also one thing that i'm really excited about hold on uh, i've got i've got these huge rolls here uh, you know <laughs> fantastic packaging for and of course, the people who are just listening to the audio will be severely disappointed. Um, but I've been thinking about and kind of planning and, and buying stuff for uh, a CNC, like a, a CNC router kind of setup. These are some beautiful linear rods. These or are some oh, rods. I, linear guys. I'm sorry, linear that is like guys. crackling hard in, in people's eardrums right now. But some MGN 15 rails. This is a full set of six different ones plus two carriages. Oh, you can hear that in the mic. This this one's running pretty nicely. Um, so 50 by 50 by 50, well, 50 by 50 by whatever, 15 centimeter uh, CNC router. And that's probably gonna happen sometime in December or November or something. Uh, I still have all the parts to figure out, but that's gonna be something uh, that I'm excited for because it, it just feels like such a natural extension to 3D printing. Oh yes, definitely. And you have already been working with CNCs with your CNC or... Uh... I've been working with the, with the CNC, yes. The, 
which I, I, I've still not for, forgiven them for that name. <laughs> it, it took quite a while until you figured out what uh, that name actually means. <laughs> yeah, it was, at first I thought it was like some Italian company, some, some Italian family name or something, but it's because it's spelled like S-I-E-N-C-I or something. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, what is that name? Until I, I realized it's actually supposed to be pronounced C&C and it's... <laughs> Uh, I've, it's the same problem I have with Slicer or Slick3R. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. If you took a product and called it water, but you know, wrote it W-A-T-3-R, <laughs> um, that's, that's like the worst product name ever. You look, the, the amount of confusion that's causing, and with the CNC too. Um, but the CNC, I'm, 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 I'm pronouncing it slightly different uh, than, than CNC, uh, is, I don't know. It, it it does what it's advertised to do, but it's just it feels like a very incomplete product. So yeah, I'll, I'll still need to fully review it, but I've I've just it's not been fun using it and and, and trying to get it working. So it, it's really hard thinking about what you want to do with it because um, with like the CNC or um, all of the other DIY CNC routers, they're mainly made for engraving things or just working with wood. And as soon as you get into aluminum or even steel, yeah. um, you just got to say, okay, they are not made for that. And if you are trying to make a review and say that, well, it's not totally suitable to work on metals, it's it's uh, it, it may be, it may, well, upset some people because uh, they think having a CNC router will make you like a total machining shop. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I guess, I guess we, we're just tacking on topics to the podcast, but uh, <laughs> I think that this is worth talking about. So what I, what I love about 3d printers is just that the fact that they are reasonably quiet and clean, like you don't need to clean up your entire space. Once you're done, you can, you can use a 3d printer wherever you can use it in the living room. Uh, you cannot do that with a, uh, with a CNC mill because it's either going to be kicking up dust. It's going to be kicking up uh, shavings and you really don't want aluminum shavings in your living room carpet because that's going to hurt for a while until you get them out and you're probably <laughs> never going to get them out in, in, entirely. So, uh, the, the the CNC kind of tries to to cater to that by having like an, a semi-enclosed kind of setup. But then also what is nice about 3D printing is once you've got the machine set up and, and calibrated, if you ever if you even need to do that for a specific one, you just hit the you, you get your STL, you throw it in the slicer, and then you, you print it. And there's very little that you have to like repeatedly do for every single job. With CNC machining, it is, you know, the full-on manual uh, process, not just laying out toolpaths, but also setting up your work, even finding a, a way to hold down your workpiece and doing all that and choosing a bit and then homing everything. It's just, it's so much effort to use it. Well, that's probably the reason why 3D printers are, like, very, very more loved uh, nowadays, Um in comparison to CNC routers and with like newer materials the companies they they try to make the parts you're getting from a 3d printer more comparable to CNC yeah. part out of let it be wood or, or aluminum and that's a nice thing but there is still well lots of applications where CNC router comes quite handy but yeah I totally understand that 
if you are not in that great position of having a dedicated workshop, a CNC router messes up everything where you put it because even though, even if you would have a full enclosure, you still have dust everywhere and well, not even talking about like coolant you're using. Yeah. So it, it's it's a mess, but it has its applications and um, it's it's interesting to really find out what are what's the purpose of a well using a cnc router and what's the purpose of a 3d printer and maybe how can you even combine combine them not in a machine but um combining both processes in a way that you get the best out of both worlds yeah uh some parts are definitely not suitable for 3d printing some parts are not suitable for cnc milling and if you have a project where you actually need to use both processes, then uh, they, they really work well hand in hand. The thing is just 3D printing is good enough for so many things now or, you know, justifying a separate CNC router and learning that is very hard. Definitely. All right. And on the topic of, you know, this machine is going to be 50 by 50 centimeters. <laughs> it might eventually uh, 3D print because it, it should be fast enough. Uh, to 3D print at least. That would make one hell of a large 3D printer, which brings us to the next topic. Uh, the discussion topic, whether you'd rather have a large 3D printer or a or a much larger 3D printer versus a much faster 3D printer. I guess this is, well, for, for myself, it's not really a hard topic because I, even though I have quite big 3D printers, I am barely using the whole print space because I don't do any cosplay or things like these and I'm an unpatient person. So <laughs> printing big parts always means that you really need to wait for a long time. I'm always afraid that something goes wrong and the total print is ruined in the end. <sighs> <laughs> I can show this part right here. Um, audio listeners, sorry, but I'm holding up like a 35 centimeter diameter planter with a, I don't know, Peter McKinney has the same plant. Uh, but yeah, that, that was printed on the CR10 and that took three days, I think. But that's, is that printed on a normal CR10 or yes. is it on the bigger version? No, standard 30 by 30 centimeter CR10 is just because it's, it's round, it kind of looks bigger. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's that's a nice application. But coming back to the topic, I would rather have a faster 3D printer because I want to get most of my small parts faster into my hand and not wait like a whole night or something like this. Right. And um, for this reason, I would highly prefer a faster 3D printer instead of a bigger one because with a bigger one or if you have bigger parts, you most of the time still have the... Um, the the option to just split it into more parts and then glue it together or stick it together or um, something like that. Yeah, okay, okay. I have a, a slightly different position on this, a slightly different take. Um, the way I see it is okay. So, so speed wise, it's it's kind of it's two components. It is whether or not it's slowing down your project. And that is, I, I think, uh, a huge issue with ordering stuff from China, uh, ordering from AliExpress, where it's going to take two to six weeks to get to you. Um, because if, if you're working on something, you want to get it done, you're in the in the zone, you're in the flow. Uh, sometimes it, it really is worth, you know, paying extra 
to get a part shipped to you uh, the next day. Uh, the same with 3D prints. If you want to want to print something, if you don't have to wait, uh, let's say even six hours, you know, half a day, or you know, typically you start in the morning, and, and if it's six hours, the day is pretty much over. If it if it means you can do a project much faster in a single day, then that is, I, I think that is great. Um, you've got some weird noises going on. <laughs> I'm very sorry. I've been talking about the the power washer guy next door. Ah, damn neighbors. <laughs> yeah, so if, if it's actually breaking up your project flow, that is that is a, a good point to have something faster. But it's not I mean, yeah, it's 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 a it's more of a psychological speed kind of thing, but it's it's not like a hard limit. And having a 3D printer that is too small to fit your parts onto is, I feel, uh, quite the hard limit. Because how often are you, are you actually going to split up a part? How often are you... Well, rarely, but it always depends on the application. And I, th and I think on the person you are or the parts you're usually printing. Um, I don't know if for the reason that I don't have huge 3D printers, I also don't design huge parts. Exactly. Exactly. So think about all the applications that that would be opened up for that. So if you, um, like, if if you go into like car modding things, if you can print out just an entire uh, an entire fender on on one printer, how cool would that be? Or printing out an entire dash or entire bucket seat in in one go? That would just be su such a such a great application that we right now, you know, it even you know think about a fender, uh, you. You cannot split that up. Let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, plus all the finishing work. So <laughs> I would actually, I would actually rather go towards having a larger printer, um, simply because of, of of the fact that it's not a hard limit. Uh, well, that, that speed is not a hard limit. Um, plus, that's that's the other the other point about speed. Most three D printers probably aren't like one hundred percent utilized. I would I would say that that most printers are like ninety nine percent idle and, and printing one percent of the time. <laughs> so well, by the amount of printers you're having, I can imagine that. <laughs> yeah, but if, even most even most consumers, even most makers, yeah. um, they're not going to be printing twenty four seven because first, I mean, it's it's expensive too, right? It, it eats up a lot of material if you're just printing all the time for the sake of printing. It would even chew up more material if you have a bigger printer. But yeah, yeah, I can totally understand yeah. your point. Um, and this was really something I was thinking about when you built your hang printer at the beginning of this year. That was Hamburg. December last year. Yeah, December that was with, with Tobin. Because this is a really cool application. So you have a small unit, you can basically hook up everywhere. And with this setup, scale your printing area totally at your own will so you can print small parts if you only have a small room or you can go really large yeah of course i mean the hang printer loses a lot of space just by the way its kinematics work but if you have a, a large space you have a large printer and the space we had allowed us for uh, i think at the base it was like two meters in diameter and then we printed the christmas tree which fits in the in the build volume pretty nicely because it tapers off very quickly um so i think we were able to print like meter 50 or two meters tall and yeah again bucket seat would have fit in there we could have printed one in one go in one piece <laughs> did you actually finish to print your christmas tree there 
Uh, we had to leave before that was done, but it, it did eventually complete. I think we, we tweeted about it. Um, it did turn out nicely. It did turn out very nicely. It was uh, Infinity Blue, the uh, the finished uh, Infinity Blue color. And I, I think they might have even used it for decoration. Not sure. <laughs> Not sure, though. They, they didn't ship it back to you? No. No, if, if anything, I would have wanted them to, to ship it to Torbjorn. Uh, he was such a you know it, it's his design it's his printer yeah. basically uh, I, I'm just the, the video guy on this basically <laughs> it, it was really cool because um, I guess many people have noticed that well this kind of kinematic uh, kinematics exists and I think at E3D they, they also build a hang printer yes. someone during this year and I think Torben also has improved his modern version or even put his uh, kinematics into one of the newer releases of Marlin? As far as I know, it's it's now in, in mainline Marlin. You can you just can just grab the, the like official Marlin version and, and use that for a hang printer. Um, yeah, when, when we were building the uh, the one at Trinamic, he was still using like a Marlin fork from three years ago. <laughs> so uh, it didn't have many of the of the fixes and performance improvements uh, that the current Marlin version has. But now I think it's just, you know, it's just another kinematic. Uh, and of course, because people people were complaining about that on my on my recent Marlin videos. Yes, it's also supported on Do It. <laughs> it's also supported on RepRef firmware. Yeah, but that's that's a cool thing. It's now much more accessible than it was like a year ago. So yeah, maybe that is really the opportunity to print a real Christmas tree for for this Christmas. Yeah, would be nice. Yeah, and I mean in general, I think that's that's one of the nice things we can do as uh, as creators, as as visible people in this community, is just uh, highlight pro projects and just get people interested in this stuff. Um, because I, I think a huge you know, a huge benefit to the hang printer project was just you know people seeing it even after mm. the first uh 3d meetup sweden video uh got a ton of positive feedback and a ton of people were just like hey i, I want to build this how how do i go about it and yeah that's 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 great to see oh should we move on and move on from uh large printers to small printers yes that i think would be the perfect topic to Uh, head next to so as i've said in the beginning prusa has been showing off or or un unveiling 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 yeah. unveiling his new sla printer um just this weekend but wait is it actually an sla printer <laughs> yeah that's the, well i don't know i don't want to call this a discussion but uh he was calling it also on his uh, blog post he made an sla printer and i was thinking okay are they doing the same that formlabs does i thought they were doing something different but yeah there's lots of discussion around what is an sla printer what is a dlp printer and um I think he wrote some really interesting things that SLA is just a standard word for stereolithography and it exactly. doesn't really say if you're doing it with a laser or if you're doing it with a projector, what would then be DLP or if you're doing it with an LCD screen, which would be MSLA, so masked uh, stereolithography, what they are actually doing. And um, it's really interesting to see that Prusa is heading into that market. Yeah, it's it. It feels like a very 
logical conclusion, I guess. Prusa is always, ever since the, the first uh, Prusa Mendel, when it was still called like the Prusa Mendel, um, I, I don't think many people actually remember that, but um, what Prusa as his one-man show that he was back then did was he took the Mendel, which was you know the first really popular <laughs> hundreds built, uh, FDM printer and he made it more accessible he made it simpler he made it uh, easier to use easier to build um, and therefore cheaper essentially and I, I think it's, it's kind of the same thing with the SLA that they're doing um, but as- this is a really interesting point because um, you were talking about making it more accessible what I definitely think Prusa will be doing but they are heading into a price range which is not on the cheap side as well at least if you are comparing it to current offers because um, the current price they are selling it for with the pre-order bonus is like 1600 euros or dollars I think that's the same and then the final price will be 1700 dollars and that is quite expensive I think it's not it's not cheap for sure um it's yeah i mean the if if you really look at it the the prusa mendel even the the i3 mark 3 uh at a thousand bucks assembled isn't exactly a cheap printer either um i feel it's it's kind of that that same ratio that they're manufacturing in europe they um they are a well-known manufacturer etc etc um and if you look at a markup from something like an Ender to a Mark III, it's kind yeah. of like times three. If you look at from uh, at the markup from a Duplicator 7 Plus, one how, um, which is 600 euros, which I'm seeing right now, to the Prusa machines, it's also that that X3 factor. Uh, I think it's, it's kind of where it's supposed to be price-wise. Yeah, and since they're still doing research and... Uh just releasing everything open open source source they really need to well depreciate their research costs on well something and that is also probably the price of the printer um it's really interesting to take a look at it doesn't look that much different than well the other sla dlp or well like masked sla printer you know um that are currently on the market also with the the orange cover and things like these um it, but it they for are sure it looks like a, a form 2 in, in a way right yeah well i think the form 2 has a total um orange cover over it but yeah, yeah they they look pretty similar also with the lcd screen but also if you compare it to like um, an any cubic photon or right um other printers in that category they all look kind of the same but i think the thing which they are doing and which might make them really interesting is that they are adding some smart features that our others don't do and this starts from the um, resin sensor um, goes to like the tiltable um, resin vat that is helping you um, just release the prints from 
um, from the vet during the printing process. And this is really interesting. So I am looking forward to getting more information, especially um, also thinking about um, the software side of these things. So I don't know if you have already been working with one of these cheap MDLP printers or MSLA printers so far. I've, I've been using the OneHow Duplicator 7, which is uh, one without the LCD screen. You plug it into an HDMI port. So very, very simple setup. And have you been happy with like the software tools it comes with? It still, it, it also feels very clumsy, to yeah, be honest. Definitely. And I think this is one of the things which might make that printer really outstanding because if they are integrating all of the slicing process and things which are connected to the SLA process into their um, slicer Prusa edition, that makes yeah. setting up everything much easier. Uh, I'm really looking forward to how they are well implementing um, supports in their software and all of that and I think if they are making it right they might be the ones which might uh, well they, they might be the ones which uh, which are able to make SLA printing more coming into mainstream right yeah and I mean with the with a price point and I think all the features and and uh, approach to, with the entire approach they're taking uh, they're definitely not targeting that same market that something like an anycubic photon or the, the duplicator is targeting uh, they're definitely going into the the enthusiast uh, semi-professional or professional market that is now what uh, the form two and and there's like one one other machine or something um just having that that entire package from you know a well-built machine i bet sorry if i'm fidgeting <laughs> yeah uh just having that entire package of, of a slicer of a machine that is well built and has a, a few good features um of having good instructions because that was one of the things that that was that was i was annoyed by from the, the duplicator seven there were like three different manuals and they were all telling you different things to do just all in chinglish uh yeah yeah and yeah. and it was literally contradictory information that they were putting out. And one set of information was working and the, the others was not. So if they can deliver like a, a good overall package, I think that's, yeah, it, it might be it might be a winner. And uh, as always, eventually it's going to trickle down into uh, cheaper machines. It might not be from Prusa. Um, it might be somebody else doing that, but just showing how it can be done, mm. it's going to be nice. Gonna be nice. I'm. I mean, I've I've not used the machine yet, so really, I, I can't speak of how well it's actually going to turn out. Um, I guess maybe some that have been on New York Maker Faire, they were already able to take a look at the models, and also like Prusa was not like inventing that printer from ground up. They bought another yeah. Czech company, which I think also was. Um, located in Prague and they were building up from that know-how which they already had so this is not something like okay this is our first printer we did in for for SLA uh, give it a try and see what we can improve no they have already experience on that in that field yeah. but another thing which I think might be quite interesting to talk about is if this printer will hurt other manufacturers that are putting out 
well, cheap Chinese printers that are really hard to use, or will it help them? It's due open, to the open source, source right? yeah, due yeah. to the open source approach. The, that's a good question. Um, I think if it's if the well, the software is definitely going to stay open source. Um, if anyone you know the the slicer team at future is going to put out their stuff as open source if if it was ultimaker with cura i wouldn't be so sure but um yeah the software is going to stay open source and that i think that's one of the things that i'm really looking forward to is just having a a nice software suite that then others can also use I'm not exactly sure like what the standard protocol or, or file format is that the printer then gets because I, I think it's like a USB drive. Yeah, you, you plop in a, a USB drive with the sliced file and that's just layer images or something, right? I Well, I have also one of these SLA printers in my basement and I was never happy with it because I don't know why, but it didn't work out for me. And I think the file you're delivering to the printer is like just a zipped archive with all of the layer images and some information about uh, curing time and uh, like the height which the z-axis does for each layer and all of these things so it should be a fairly simple standard i guess even if they they come up with their own and i'm I'm sure that somebody's going to build up on that and the hardware is open source too so we might see a a, a straight up clone at some point well Um, um just as a start, the the design is not like groundbreaking yeah, or totally true, new. True. I think the only interesting thing is really the uh, tilting, um, well, LCD screen, because this is something which the Formlabs printers have to release the parts easier from the, I think they're using a silicone film. Um, and this might be something interesting to be or to see integrated also in cheaper machines. But the design itself is well, as I said, it's 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 not really groundbreaking. So yeah, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking more along the lines of you know that the way that the um, that the i3s are, are clones, where you can use the same slicer with no change settings, where you can use maybe even the same firmware, um, and just straight up use a, a the same binary even. So mm. the machine thinks it's it's the same machine. So like whoever builds it doesn't have to make any changes to it. Um, more competition is always good. Definitely, yes. Yeah, there's there's no strange market domination shenanigans going on, um, like it would be going on with Amazon and Google that are just a monopoly and, and trying to force others out. Um, this is really just another player has entered the ring, I mm. think. Yes, and- definitely. I, I think for the moment, for like the next couple of weeks, it might hurt the sale of cheaper printers because some people who are able or want to spend a little bit more money, they probably rather wait for the Prusa machine before they're buying some cheap Chinese printer. Um, But I think in the long run, it will be better for, well, Chinese manufacturers just because Prusa's software is open source and it works also on their machines. It makes everything more accessible. You get more information about the technology itself. You have more information how to tackle problems. And all of that which is uh, connected to having a community around a product or a technology. And I think this is something this is something pretty nice. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and I hope 
to see well more information on that quite soon yeah i'm i'm hoping to get a review machine at some point once it's out what do you, do you happen to know the uh estimated release it's december or shipping the shipping date is i think december for the first pre-orders <laughs> do you think they'll actually ship on time <laughs> it didn't well, work I, out so well with mark three yeah um I guess they are aiming for like the uh, Christmas sales, but well, I guess you know Joseph better than I do, um, and I think he's if they have if they have issues, he is rather rather delaying the release instead of shipping an unfinished product. I would sure hope so, and I mean, what what I'm hoping for is that they might have learned a thing or two from, uh, from the half year or seven month lead time that they've had in in the past, um, and that maybe they're aiming for some more realistic goals this time. Yeah, and as I said, they are building on already available technology on like yeah. know how they bought in from the other company, so. I hope this is a um, um, well, like a reasonable goal they were setting themselves, and also the interesting thing, which I think otherwise also only Formlabs really does, they are also offering the curing and washing station. Yeah, and I think this one is not that horribly overpriced than uh, the one that Formlabs is selling. Yeah, sorry, I was just shaking my head at, at the uh, abbreviation they used in the, in the announcement blog post. The two, um, let me let me quote from this. <laughs> or better, you can get our two-in-one curing and washing machine, open bracket, or Kurwa if you want. <laughs> I'm sure I mispronounced that, but I'm sorry, all Eastern European countries, uh, that might be a horrible joke right there. But um, yeah, <laughs> they, they also <laughs> offer that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I i'm just checking what the curing station is I, actually I don't think selling they've, for. Uh, they've announced the price yet um, they they have announced the price for um the the bundle which is like 2100 and right. they are saying you'll save 200 bucks on the bundle so yes yes it's 1600 yeah well it's still 500 bucks for the washing station and the curing station so it's it's still quite an investment for like a nail studio and a bath of isopropanol with um like a magnetic stir bar. Yeah, but still true. It, it 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 makes it makes it more accessible because not everyone is willing to well fiddle around with this nasty resin that you're just getting from SLA prints and this is something which I think which is one of the main reasons why it is not that common or that technology yeah. is not that common because it's a mess. It smells horrible. It's nasty resin. It's, uh, it, yeah, they, it's they just, do have a, they do have a, a fume filter in the, uh, in the SL one, right? Yes. And they are saying that they have an industrial grade filter or something like this yeah. in the back, which should also like get rid at least of most of the fumes yeah. so that's taken care of um but yeah i mean that the mess is a real issue and one of the reasons why i don't like using my machine it's just you wear gloves yes you wear uh, nitrile gloves um and you still get everywhere everywhere you, the, the the resin itself is 
not necessarily toxic, but at least immunosensitizing. You shouldn't get it on your skin. Yeah, basically, it, it might screw up your immune system. Um, so you, you really need to be careful um, with that. Uh, and also, yeah, everything gets sticky in the end. And yeah, I mean the, the curing and washing machine. It's not just it's not just the washing machine. It's not just the, the isopropyl alcohol with a stir stick. Um, I think it's also like some UV some light source in there that actually that was the nail the studio part. I was talking about. Oh right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I, I think it's good that they are selling the whole bundle because um, you can still choose whether you want to just uh, spend another five hundred bucks for the curing station or you buy yourself a cheap. A UV lamp or a nail studio and or just um, put your prints out in the sun for a while same thing or do that some like to just um, have everything in one place or I don't know if you are living in Antarctica and it's summer and you don't see any uh, <laughs> sun outside it might be a good idea to have some UV lights around true now one one question I still have about the entire SL1 and SLA machine group is like where does it fit in? Is it something that is actually competing with the traditional uh, FDM printers uh, like the Mark III? Is it something that augments it? Is it something that opens up the market to an entirely new segment that wasn't even looking at an FDM? Where I think yeah. it's something that it's adding to the ad additive manufacturing market. I think it's not directly competing to FDM printers just because um, you're not able to print really big parts you are able to well print really precise parts like you have a totally high resolution so I think they are aiming towards like jewelry makers um, guys who are playing uh, Warhammer 40k um, how do you um, yeah to doing you're, model you're building trade. but warhammer is like a, an entire copyright uh, copyright pitfall <laughs> you don't want to be printing uh, warhammer miniatures yeah or well at least do it privately and don't share exactly. pictures or things like that yeah so i i think it's adding to the market and also if you're thinking about um like uh, medicinal purposes um like dentist work or things which are in this direction it might be um a, well a good add-on that maybe some others get into the market because it's more accessible it's it's cheaper to get into because if you're buying again the comparison to the form 2 printer with the curing station everything that knocks you back five or, at, or somewhere in that ballpark yeah bucks that's uh, that's quite a number and not everyone wants to invest that that amount of money but then again the, the form 2 is also much larger i think it's like twice the size uh for just your your build not build volume but at least build plate size screen size well it's it's, it's a laser in the form but yeah it's 145 by 145 by 175 Ooh, and the prusa is 120 by 68 by 105 okay so, so like in terms of volume really, it's like really tiny it's a fraction of the size so it's yeah. though again like resin is expensive are you it's really going to use expensive yeah though it has come down in price significantly yeah um, but for the form um resins you're still paying <laughs> right like 150 bucks for a kilogram right which i 
again, I don't think it's that outrageously expensive if you looked at what uh, what SLM powders cost for. Oh yeah, <laughs> or, or SLS powders. Those are a whole different ballpark. It's it's for the for the size parts you you want and for the precision you get. I, I think it's it's still really good. Um, and yeah, I, I don't think it, it's really competing with with FDM that much. It's it's gonna have to find its market for sure if it's gonna be. A volume product like uh, FDM pro- uh, printers are right now, and I mean that they're, they're everywhere. <laughs> really, they, they use they use for everything and uh, and and in every every conceivable way. Uh, the the SLA I think will hinge on uh, you know a lot of the applications that that might enable. Uh, that it might enable will hinge on what resins you have available, whether you have good mm. flexible or good durable resins, um, and you know how well everything is is tuned in for those. Yeah, because that, I mean that the, is the precision, sorry, the pre- precision and and uh, and resolution you get in and finished details, of course, uh, a whole different level than than anything else we we have right now. Yeah, definitely. But as you have just said um also the application i in in terms of resin if you're getting standard resins they are really brittle and they are becoming more brittle day in day out so um it's i think not 100 suited for mechanical applications if you are using standard resins um there are some other resins around which claim that they're more tough or more flexible or things like that um and I, I I think the results in the end will will show us if this is also something where you maybe are able now to do some some miniature miniature mechanics where the resolution of your MD, FDM printer was not good enough. Yeah, and absolutely. This machine enables you to really print small gears and well, all of that just uh, like by a factor smaller, and that might be something interesting for for many for many guys who are um, wanting to print smaller uh, machines for themselves or whatever application they're having yeah and you, you can get there to a certain extent with the with the stuff we have but sla is just suited for that it's made for that yeah all right but yeah it's going to be really interesting to see how well it performs and how well everything just uh, hinges together once it's out and that's still going to be a few months but i'm, I'm looking forward to it just seeing seeing companies venture into uh, new areas just has me excited. It would be the same if they were going into SLS printing. Yeah, SLS or or CNCing or not, hey, we now have a have a really good three D scanner. Um, that's that's always nice to see. And SLA, I think, or MSLA, is <laughs> is a really good start. Well, we still don't know what they will be introducing. Tomorrow on TCT, there's I think another oh, big right. thing happening. Yeah, they, they said that they had like two big announcement I th- uh, announcements. I thought like Prusament was was the first one, and then the SLA was the second one. But I guess there's gonna be something third. But yeah, we don't know. Let's see. Well, so okay, since Prusament is out and the SL one is out, uh, I have a hunch of what the third one could be. Um, but obviously that is uh, not for disclosure at this point (laughs) (laughs) certified information yeah yeah all right I guess let's get um, to the last part of the podcast and um, let's talk about some viewer questions 
Yeah. So for again, for this podcast, we have like a compilation of like uh, our all time favorites for questions. Um, if you want to have your questions on here, tweet at us at the Zone on Twitter. That's where you can tweet. So uh, do that and your question might just end up on the podcast. Should we start out with the first one? We're going to have three questions here. Um, we'll do, we're just going to see how long this takes. Yes, let's maybe start with the first one. And the first one was... <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> <laughs> let's start from the back. So the first one was um, that many were asking about laser add-ons for your 3D printer that you can not only use your 3D printer, your FDM 3D printer for um, extruding plastic, but also to cut things or to engrave things. Um, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm I'm genuinely scared of, of lasers. Um, the thing is, <laughs> we don't have any sort of, of like safety enclosure box over the machines. And I know that uh, Mr. Bean, Beam, Mr. Beam, Munich-based company uh, making like tabletop laser cutters. Um, they were getting in a lot of trouble for their first iteration, which didn't have any enclosure because like, you know, you have something bouncing off, it hits your eye and all of a sudden you have a blind spot in your eye. Uh, well, an extra blind spot. And that's just, it's not fun. Um, so, yeah, let, since we got that out of the way, um, let's actually see what, what, what options you have typically if you want to add a laser. Um, so. I guess there are some more or less plug-and-play options available for some printers which range from a couple of milliwatts to like even 10 watts. Yeah. And... Depending on the wattage you're having, um, you can start engraving materials or even get into cutting materials. But this is not like this class one laser pointer anymore that you have in your, I don't know, presenting gear. Yeah. This uh, becomes pretty dangerous. And um, I also have a couple of lasers around, but I at least bought myself some decent decent laser goggles and uh, wasn't really that happy only working with the delivered ones oh yeah so um so so the ones that i'm having is a 2.5 watt laser and this right. one is pretty good to be honest so i have been using it a couple of times for making gifts or things like that just for um engraving some well text on on um, a piece of wood or even to well cut um thin plywood and i guess i have been coming all the way up to four or six millimeters like really th well really soft plywood you need to you need to use like 20 passes over it but right. at some point it works and you do, you do eventually lose focus if you just stay at the same height, right? So you be kind of need to move down with each pass? It, it all depends on which C-high you're starting. So um, right. if you are starting from a... Well, if your laser is pretty far above the well shape of the laser beam is, is in a way that um, I, you would... In, in technical terms, you would say like the uh, Rayleigh length is getting higher so that the diameter of the laser spot doesn't really change that much if you're just um, shifting it like two, three, four, five millimeters. So um, in right, my case, 
in my case, I just have a two-axis CNC, so there isn't any way to adjust the C height. I just right. adjust the focus in the beginning, and that is working for my applications pretty well. Um, these normal laser diodes you are uh, you can purchase uh, online. They are not able to cut any foam, or at least the um, the standard white foam, you know. So. Uh, for this reason, thickness is usually not your problem because you are limited just by like some tenths to some millimeters of of, uh, of material thickness. Yeah. So, I mean, what two and a half watts is, is a... It doesn't sound like much. Like you have a, a two and a half watt light bulb. It's not it's not particularly bright. But as, as soon as you focus all that power on a spot that is less than a, a millimeter large it is quite the energy concentration in, in that one spot um so two and a half watts is is you know quite the laser and, and these are all diode lasers these are all uh well near uv or like a, a very uv blue um laser so um i don't know the i think the 100 milliwatts are, are like the blu-ray burner lasers that you typically mm. get and i've been playing around with one of those and it's Again, it's it's scary because like lasers, but um, that can be a, a, a decent start because it it does teach you the basics of uh, what cam software or what I've, I've just used a slicer with just one layer to to do that. Um, what do you use for software? How this entire thing works? And you're at a I don't want to say lower risk because that sounds like it's it's no risk at all, but you're at least a bit safer than with a two and a half watt unit. And it's enough to to like engrave stuff. Like I've got this um this uh what is it, PVC film, car wrap film on the back of my phone. It would be more than enough uh to engrave this and to to etch a logo into this, or if you use uh any black plastic, even if it's a 3D printed piece of plastic, you can engrave that uh, quite easily. Or leather, even. Um, yes, just no mark it. There. But one of the problems I've always encountered, and for this reason, I don't also really like to work with these lasers, is um, just the all of the fumes you're getting. Um, if you're doing that right. indoors, like after a couple of minutes, you're... Um, uh, your room smoke is totally detector. filled with <laughs> smoke. That's and this is quite horrible. If you have something like a Mr. Beam, with where you have an enclosure, and you are sucking all of that foam just outside yeah, of the Beam window. Mr. Beam too. That that has the nice enclosure and everything. Yeah. Um. There you are. It's just safer to work with. Um. For small jobs, yeah, it's working. But still, playing around with lasers, you gotta you always need to pay attention and this is why i just can't really recommend yeah um adding lasers to any 3d printers because it's, if you don't know what you're doing you're just you're not only burning yourself you can make yourself blind yeah um it's yes it is not worth the risk uh if you, the i guess the our uh, recommendation in this case would be just get like some small laser cutter that is made for the job um, they're going to have enclosures they're maybe even going to have a CO2 laser which is way more powerful than your little diodes it's actually going to cut stuff it's going to cut like a, a 4 millimeter plywood with no problems uh, look into that but please don't risk your health uh, just for toying out around with the laser yeah if you burn yourself that's no problem but your eyesight is I think kind of kind of important Right. Yeah, definitely. And and if you're interested in that topic, 
At least in the German version of Make Magazine, there have been some really nice articles about cheap CO2 lasers and how they are working and uh, if they are working um, and for what projects you can use. So just check out Make Magazine if you are interesting in that, interested in that topic. And there are some pretty interesting information um, yeah. written down. And there is an entire community around modifying those cheap laser cutters, um, putting new electronics in them, um, and making them actually usable with different software. And that, that can, I, I just think that's a way better starting point. Yeah, definitely. All right. Next, well, compiled question. Um, this is actually something that, that I've been struggling with with my very first printer, um, where your first layer will print just fine. The the height, so we're back to 3D printing, obviously. Your first layer will print just fine. It will be at the perfect height. You, you stop the print after the first layer. You take some calipers to it. It is spot on, the exact height you set. Then you have your second layer, and it just doesn't stick. It it separates. It looks like it's you know printing at the entirely wrong height. Um, Jevin, do you want to have a, a wild guess of of what this is? Um, I have I have never encountered that problem so far. And well, I've been three D printing for four or five years now. Um, most of the time with PLA because I don't like the smell of ABS, and I haven't. I haven't really encountered that. Uh, I well, in the first place, I would have said warping, but um, if you have warping, why is your first layer sticking and the the other one is not? So maybe tell me what's wrong there. <laughs> yeah, uh, full disclosure, we've already talked about this before we we started recording, so uh, <laughs> that that was a bit unfair. <laughs> sorry, um, but. I mean, since you're not, since you've not encountered this, um, I must assume that you've been working with machines that were like decently built, that had a, a heated bed that was like at least you know aluminum or you know a, a decent FR4. Uh, the issue that I've actually figured out was that I've been using just a cheap what was it, RepRap discount or, or someone. Um, of that of that quality level, uh, PCB heaters like the original what are those Mark II? What are those called? The heated beds Mark Mark II Mark II A yeah right. The PCB heaters everyone yeah, knows the them the, the red PCBs one point six millimeters thick, and they used such a cheap uh, well FR four I don't even know if it was FR four but as one side. Only one side was covered with heating tracks. That side expanded, and the other side didn't. So what happened is the entire bed bowed up like a like a bimetal, um, you know, flex layer. So as the as the bed was heating, it actually got closer to the uh, to the hot end. So first layer was all fine. Then with the second layer, um, I used a lower temperature because that's what what you usually do at the time I was printing ABS. Um, used a, a lower temperature. And at the very start of the second layer, the heated bed just shuts off entirely. So it now flexes back into its original position. And depending on which way you've mounted it, it flexes away from your hot end. So when you actually take a, a dial indicator to your to the heated bed, um, you know, in my case, it was like 0.2 or 0.3 millimeters, which is an entire layer height in that case. <laughs> so no wonder it didn't stick. Uh, what I ended up doing is I laminated another PCB or a raw PCB, unedged PCB to the underside of that bed. I still have that bed. Um, 
because it was it was two PCBs wide, two heated PCBs wide. And that kind of fixed it because now it was symmetrical. It was like unheated up top, then the heated layer in the center, and then another unheated layer on the bottom. I think that that fixed it pretty well. Also, it was way thicker. Didn't you use any glass on your heat bed? I, I, I th yeah, I had the, the issue with and without glass. I was printing directly onto the PCB with Captain Tape at the time. Um, but even through glass, through a, uh, I think I was using three or four millimeters glass at the time, even through glass, you were still seeing it because glass is, is flexible. But still Slightly. pretty stiff. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you're comparing it to your PCB, it's really stiff. So it's relatively that, that's interesting. It, it made it better, yes, but it didn't entirely fix it, for sure. Okay. But so, I guess nowadays, I don't know, when was the last time you have encountered that problem? Uh, you can still kind of see it with um, with heater, if as long as it's a heater PCB that is uh, relatively thin. Something as mm -hmm. on the Prusa, which is, I think, three millimeters thick um, and also pretty high quality FR4 is not going to have that. But if you just have a cheap printer um, that uses an actual FR4 bed, even with glass on top, you might still run into it. Um, I've measured some printers. It's not to that amount anymore where it's actually going to cause any issues, but you might still see like 50 microns of, of wobble mm. or flex. With aluminum-heated beds, it's, it's pretty, much, um, pretty much all gone. So, conclusion, don't work with cheap heat beds and don't use like 0.05 millimeter layer heights for your first layers because otherwise, yeah. if you're working with thicker layers, you might be able to compensate even some flex. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Cool. And last question, well, question, last topic for today, the cheap E3D V6. Is it worth it? And you've, you've not used those yet, right? I haven't used, well, I have never purchased any cheap uh, E3D hot ends so far. I have always been supporting <laughs> our, our, British, our British friends there. And uh, yeah. When when I was updating my Mendel 90 to an E3D V6, I purchased one uh, directly at E3D and, and never bought one from China. So I don't have any experience with that so far. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that the V6 design, uh, or the V5, it's basically the same hot and with a different shape. Um, it's kind of... It's become the standard for hardens, basically. Um, the design itself, but also the way you build a hardened with, you know, a heatsink, a heat break, and then a heater block and a nozzle. And if you, I see the, the CR10 behind you, uh, that uses a hardened that is built basically in the same way. Uh, it's got the same construction. Yeah. Uh, heatsink, heat break, heater block, nozzle. And what I've... I mean, I've, I've used cheap um, V6s. I've bought them outright. They're like five bucks. It's like super tempting to buy yeah. one. Um, though what I, what I often see with, well, knockoff products is they will look the same. The people making them will make them to look the same. They will often make some good decisions on accident, but most of the time they will, they will also mess up because they, they kind of, They, they they look at it, they see, okay, that this is how they made it, but they don't understand why it was built that way. And they will add some, you know, tweaks, improvements uh, that they think, you know, is worth it or makes it easier to manufacture or whatever, and inevitably mess up other things. So the main 
problem I'm, I'm seeing with uh, knockoff V6s and actually knockoff or, or third-party uh, heat sinks that are like premium options sometimes as well is they will make the heat break too thick. Uh, they will not turn it down to the uh, to the diameter that it needs to be to be thin enough to not conduct heat up into the mm. uh, into the heatsink, and that will just get you jams with PLA. So, what manufacturers are doing is they're making that improvement where they add uh, a Teflon tube back in, and now you basically back at the light six where it doesn't print uh, high temperature materials, and your Teflon tube eventually degrades and kinks if you're using it at a high temperature. But that's actually this, the design also like the Sear 10 uses. They have their yes. um, PTFE tube yeah. directly up to the, even the nozzle. I've not Does taken a, a, a hot end from the from Creality apart, but it goes down pretty far. Yeah. It's definitely heated PTFE. Yeah. And that's just... <sighs> It's it's a workaround. Like if you if you have a, a decent V6, you don't need the PTFE um, to print PLA. Um, it's more if you, if you have a, an all metal hardened, which the, the V6 is, and the Light Six or the, the Teflon filled ones are not. Uh, you get a crisper thermal transition, so you have less ooze. You have a more controllable extrusion. It's it's like little details, right? It's not like an entirely different product. Both will print. But one's just going to print slightly better. And you might not run into troubles with uh, jams. So if you guys have jams with your 3D printer and maybe are using any uh, knockoff uh, V6 hotends, think about maybe replacing it uh, to a genuine one and um, making the your experience a little bit more pleasant. Yeah, or at least at least replace the the heat break. That's like the that's the one critical part of the entire hot end that needs to be perfect. Yeah, the nozzle needs to be good as well, but the heat break is like the one part that needs to be good. So, so if you're talking about the heat break, you are talking about this small groove which yes. is breaking the heat, and this is something which the the Creality's, for example, they don't have. They just have a more or less threaded rod with a bore in the middle. But exactly. they probably don't need that. Or, well, they probably don't need as an as good heat break as for the all metal hot ends because they're using the PTFE tube, which goes all the way down to the nozzle where um, the the material is then, then melting. Exactly. And it insulates yeah. it um, against... Yeah. So even if you're even if your upper part of the heat break or that the heat sink, which is red on the Creality models, that the top mm. part, even if that is at a much higher temperature as with an all metal one, um, it's still not going to heat up the filament to an amount where it's it's going to stick to the sidewalls. And even if it does slightly melt and stick, it's PTFE. It, it's gonna mm. you know it's it's smooth. It doesn't yeah. really adhere to it. So yeah, that and, and surface finish and, and details like that. Um, overall, I mean, you can make the the cheap ones work. Uh, you just need to know what you're getting into. It's 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 you know as with everything that you can buy on the cheap. Definitely, yeah. I guess that concludes it for today, and we are already over an hour in. So, yeah, not quite the forty five minutes we were shooting for, but I think we've got some some good topics in. Uh, how how does one subscribe to to a podcast? <laughs> how does that work? You, <laughs> you click not- subscribe on your on your podcatcher yeah. app. 
<laughs> you can I, I think you can do that but um, since we are both not uh, really that keen in the podcast business I think this is still something we need to figure out yeah and so I guess we try to host it somewhere that um, it is available in all the usual podcast apps you are using but um, if something's not working out for you just let us know and uh, we will try to figure it out Yeah, so stuff like that where it's where it's showing up in feeds that we'll work on that. Um, yeah, and that that's probably going to go through the melt.zone website um, eventually. Eventually, that that's still being set up. But for now, thanks for I guess if you're on YouTube, thanks for watching. If you're listening, thank you for listening in. Um, patrons, I guess we both have patrons. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we, we're not setting up a separate Patreon for for this podcast, at least not yet. Uh, if you want to support what we're doing here, uh, definitely check out uh, Stefan's or mine um, and support us there, and leave us maybe leave us a note and then go like, "Hey, thanks for the podcast. I really enjoyed it. That would be that would be fantastic." <laughs> yeah. All right. If you guys have any comments or questions or topics we don't didn't cover or topics you would like to see in the podcast um yep send us some comments uh send us uh, or tweet us uh no well yeah, yeah you tw say tweet at us t t tweet at us on at the melt zone and we well i don't know I we, we will see you in the next one here in the next one <laughs> whatever wherever you are watching or listening to us all right see you bye